From Hope Made Strong, this is the Care Ministry Podcast, a show about equipping ministry leaders and transforming communities through care. Supporting those in your church and community not only changes individuals' lives, but it grows and strengthens the church. But we want to do that without burning out, so listen in as we learn about tools, strategies, and resources that will equip your team and strengthen hope. I'm Laura Howe, and welcome to the Care Ministry Podcast. On the show today, we're going to be talking all about what to say when you just don't know what to say, and how not being a mental health professional or counselor might actually make you a better supporter. Everyone has been in a situation where the person in front of them is suffering and they don't know what to do. The person could be unloading their story and you're unsure of how to react, or they're unraveling due to grief and you're not sure what to do because nothing that you say or do can take away the pain that they're experiencing. In these times, we can feel helpless, awkward, incompetent, foolish, or even insensitive. So in this episode, I want to share with you five things that you can say or do when you just don't know what to say. But I want to start with breaking down one of the most common concerns that I hear from people when they say, I don't know what to say to support people. They say, I don't know what to say. I'm not a counselor or trained professional to support people. I'd like to challenge this thought. It doesn't take a degree in psychology or counseling to be able to support someone, to offer compassion and to encourage. In fact, there are some huge benefits to receiving supports from informal supporters and peers that go beyond the ability of professionals. When talking about care ministry in churches, we often see three types of caregivers. The first one is professional, clinicians offering treatment. Second is pastoral. This is often staff offering guidance through a biblical lens. And the third is peers, those with lived experience offering support. Each support is different. There are pros and cons. And just because someone is professionally trained doesn't mean they have all the answers. There is more than one road to recovery. And I feel that people have the best chance of recovery when they feel supported from all three types. One is not better than the other, but they offer different types of support and they work best in tandem. Professional clinicians have the expertise and skill set that is needed for those who are struggling with complex issues such as trauma, acute mental health struggles, or interpersonal conflicts that are impacting someone's day-to-day life. However, professional clinicians can be difficult to access. They can be expensive or have long waiting lists. They're often centralized to urban centers and any culturally specific support is really difficult to find. Professionals are also seen infrequently and outside where regular life occurs. There's only so much you can share once a month in an hour session in your therapist's office. Pastoral counseling is varied. Some pastors focus on offering biblical counsel. This is things like offering prayer and empathetic ear and scripture to support people. Other pastors have received further training in therapeutic practices and combine this expertise with a focus on scripture and their theological training. Pastors are able to specialize in the application of scripture within a therapeutic relationship, but they too have limitations. Pastors often have a dual relationship with those who they're supporting. They are supporters, but they also often have a more personal connection and compared to clinical supporters. 
This can be seen as both a pro and a con. They are walking with people often on a week-to-week basis, but there is a loss of anonymity and it can be challenging for people to seek support with a person who has a connection to their life and community. Peer support is also offered in a spectrum. On one end, peers can be informal supporters. These are relationships that are naturally occurring and reciprocal friendships. On the opposite side of the spectrum, there are professional peer supporters. These are individuals who are trained in support skills and who have lived experience with mental health and or addictions. They are often employed in clinical environments like mental health clinics, inpatient care, and addiction centers. The benefit of peers is that they are able to connect with those who are needing support on a level that no professional or pastor can. Experiencing the trials and struggles of life firsthand, then turning to offer support to others, builds hope, personal resourcefulness, and self-belief in a way that no professional or pastor can do. And a peer doesn't have to experience the exact same struggle to offer this level of support. Everyone is unique, so really there's just no way of that happening, but connecting with another human and empathizing with the suffering of life and offering hope is way more powerful than we give it credit. While peer support doesn't have specialized formal education, please do not discredit the support that peers can offer. It is powerful and it changes lives. And this is where most churches excel. Church really is just a group of people or peers that have walked through suffering, found hope in Jesus, and want to share that hope with others. We're all capable of support and offering hope and compassion to our neighbors. So regardless if you are listening as a professional clinician, a pastor, or a peer, you can use these five tips of what to say when you just don't know what to say. No formal education is needed, just compassion. So the first thing that you can do when you don't know what to say is validate someone's experience. It can become a habit to respond with someone with an I statement. Things like, I know of someone who's experienced something similar, or, oh, I could only imagine what you're going through, or I'm so sorry. Immediately, this turns their story to be about you. But confirming that you've heard their story by saying it back to them with compassion is very, very validating. And validating someone's pain and struggle or discomfort communicates to that person that I hear you, I see you, I'm with you through this. Some feel that to support someone means to point out how to improve or to fix or change their problem, but that's not support, that's problem solving. And others believe that they need to fully understand the whole issue before being able to support. So they ask a lot of questions, trying to understand for themselves this isn't support either. That is focused on your need to understand and get all those details. But you can simply say something like, sounds like you're going through a lot. That must be really difficult. Or sounds like you're really hurting. It must be so painful. You're validating the struggle and showing empathy first by not trying to fix or figure out all those details. The second thing you can do is acknowledge the person's strength. Oftentimes in tragedy, people try to reason and you hear things like, if only I did this differently. The common phrase hindsight 2020 is so true. People start judging their actions based on their new understanding, not their knowledge at the time. And they can get caught up in the shouldas, wouldas, and couldas. And this self-blaming language could spiral downwards. 
By acknowledging the person's strengths, you are offering a different narrative of their circumstances. You bring hope and encouragement to them to see beyond their struggle, and you try to keep the focus on the moment rather than on the past. You can say something like, you are a very caring person and you've been working really hard to keep going. Arguing or disagreeing with someone isn't helpful and it distracts from your core purpose of supporting and offering hope. Simply respond with identifying a strength that they have that will help them get through the situation. The third thing that you can do is offer support that doesn't require the person to initiate and that doesn't add burden to yourself. When we're supporting others, there's often one of two conversations happening in your mind. You're either saying, I want to help and do everything for this person. Or you could be saying, oh man, I already have so much on my plate. I really should do something more though. And fixing or doing for this person is not helpful in the end. And supporting at a guilt is burdening yourself and is often a sign of burnout or compassion fatigue. So we often say things like, call me if you need anything, really anything, and I'm there for you. But honestly, telling the person, call me if you need anything, is often considered an empty offer and will likely never be acted upon. It's putting the responsibility of reaching out onto the person who's struggling. And overwhelmed people tend to isolate and not want to be a burden to others. As a supporter, offer what you feel that you're able to do and ask permission. Don't wait for them to ask you. You can say, hey, I'm busy this afternoon, but could I check in with you later this evening? But please keep in mind that if they do say no, you need to respect their answer. The fourth thing that you can do is to be silent. Yeah, just say nothing at all. Silent support is highly undervalued. When someone is facing tragedy or loss, they are often overwhelmed. Mentally, they're trying to process an immense amount of emotion and information. They're flooded and it can be very difficult to wade through everything that they're experiencing. So adding to the noise isn't really helpful. Being present but silent can be super awkward for you, but it may be very soothing for the other person. It gives them room to process and possibly talk and express uninterrupted. Stay silent long enough and you'll be surprised what others say. When you don't know what to say, it's really okay and sometimes best just to say nothing at all. And finally, the fifth thing that you can do is to offer encouragement. Acknowledging the person's strengths as encouragement is often rejected by those who are struggling. It can be so difficult to speak through the negativity that's happening in their mind. But once you do, there's hope and breakthrough. Encouragement is all about the person who is struggling. It's not stories of your experience or someone that you once knew. It focuses on them their giftings, strengths, and what God has in store for them. During tragic times when you don't know what to say, we quickly revert to something that is familiar, our own stories or our own desire to fix the situation. Silence becomes awkward for us and sometimes we find ourselves babbling on and on. And really, this is meeting our own needs at that moment. Keeping the focus on the other person's needs by ensuring that the person feels heard validated and built up, and asking permission to meet a practical need and offering hope. If it hasn't happened to you yet, there will be a day when you enter a situation and you have no idea what to say, and people are going to be looking to you for support and hope. Oftentimes, it's when others are facing tragedy. You feel helpless. Words are worthless. There's really nothing that you could do to change or fix what has happened. So what do you say? 
Well, you validate their experience. You acknowledge their strengths. You offer support that doesn't burden you. You stay silent and you offer person-centered encouragement. Remember, you don't need a degree to support those who are suffering. You just need to be kind, focus on the other person, because supporting others is about their needs and not satisfying your need to be helpful. Thanks for listening. I encourage you to put what you've heard today into action. How are you going to be intentional about building a culture of care for both yourself and for others in your church? And don't forget, if you want to be reminded when an episode goes live, make sure you subscribe. Thanks for connecting and take care.